the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome to The Vital Way. I'm Logan Christopher, and we have an exciting interview up for you here today. Uh, I got to talking to Dr. Jeremiah Joseph the other day, I guess it was a couple months back, and we both, I could tell, we both really had a passion for health and were able to go pretty deep into it, so it was a lot of fun, and I thought he'd be a great expert to have on the show, and we should be covering some very interesting things. To give you a little bit of background, Dr. Joseph is a highly acclaimed speaker, author, educator, and board-certified chiropractic neurologist. For years, he was a radio talk show host, guest of many radio and television programs like the nationally syndicated Man Cow Show, Fox News, leading experts, WFLA, and ABC News, to name a few. He is a national platform speaker and has inspired thousands of suffering individuals for almost a decade with his groundbreaking messages of wellness, health, and recovery. His national selling book titled Recover Your Health can be found on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. He has performed thousands of lectures to hospitals, churches, corporations, and foundations throughout the state of Florida. He has helped many thousands of patients get well, feel better, increase their energy, and get off medications. And that's something we're all about. So thanks for joining us today, Jeremiah. Hey, Lewis. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. All right. So uh, beyond that little intro, could you tell us a little bit of background? How did you get involved in, I guess, chiropractic and health and uh, really a bit of your journey that led you to where you are today? Absolutely. Uh, I remember it almost like it was yesterday. When I was a child, uh, I was I was – I was starting to struggle in school, although I did very well in school. I began to struggle, and I couldn't focus. And one of the things that I realized was I was I was developing headaches. And um, for me, the headaches really started turning into something of what I almost call like a monstrosity. It, it became um, so heavily ingrained into my head and, and painful. Um, that they actually turned into uh, migraines. And so, you know, my parents did what any other good parent would do. That they, they brought me to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you know, just keep taking Tylenol. So that went on for about 12 months. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, I, I literally got up to taking about 8 to 10 Tylenol as a kid every single day just to, to subdue my, my headaches. I, I still wow. remember my parents' cabinet and just pulling out the, the Tylenol every single day. And by the end of the day, the headache would wear off or the migraine would go away and I'd wake up the next day and it would be there again. So, you know, my parents actually did the right thing. They brought me back to the doctor and, you know, the doctor said, let's do some blood work. And, of course, nothing showed up. And um, they, they said, you know, well, we need to do an MRI. And I'm if you remember what MRIs were like back, you know, 20 some 30, you know, 25 years ago, um, you, you would you would recall that they were a lot bigger, they were a lot louder, and they were a lot more expensive. So the MRI came back and it said nothing. So uh, years went by and my my parents finally said we don't know what else to do, and uh, they were going to a chiropractor at the time. Um, and, and he said, well, why don't you just bring, bring your son in? So they did. Um, and after my first, I think it was, week worth of chiropractic adjustments, 
my migraines actually disappeared. Um, the other thing that I noticed during that time uh, was that my sleep improved and that my allergies went away. So it was that time that I said, you know, I really, really, really want to help people. So I went to college. I went pre-med all the way. I went to uh, an Ivy League school, went uh, pre-med the entire way, and got out. And uh, I spent uh, three to six months, I can't remember, three to six months in a hospital. And at that point, it was the turning point in my life, you know, because I wanted to be a medical doctor. I wanted to help a lot of people. And, and again, that was my turning point because what I realized was this. Every patient that either went into a hospital or into a doctor's office was being treated the same exact way. Let's take your blood pressure, your vitals. I'm going to listen to five minutes of your complaint, and I'm going to give you a medication. And it's going to be a medication for the same exact thing. And the one that I, I really struggled with at that time was the cholesterol medication. I, you know, it, it was... I, I said to the one doctor, I said, and then I didn't know enough about medicine back then. I said, hey, doc, you know, why is everyone in your office getting a cholesterol medication? And he looked at me like, how dare you challenge me? And he said to me, because that's what we do here. And at that point, I realized that mainstream medicine was not what I wanted to do with my life. Because when I went to that chiropractor, I saw happy people, healthy people, people that are feeling better. I saw testimonials all over the wall. I didn't see everybody getting the same exact treatment. And that's when I decided, you know what, the whole medicine thing isn't for me. I went to chiropractic school, aced chiropractic school, got out, and decided that I really wanted to do something even bigger. I went four years postdoctorate degree in neurology. So I took all that started a practice with my wife, and uh, fortunately for us, we, we developed one of the busiest and largest practices in the entire country. Um, so we've seen over 11,000 people over the last decade, um, and we've helped a lot of those people, almost all of them, that have come through our practice. So that, that's really um, the, the long and the short of how I got into healthcare. Well, that's a great story, and I think that's sort of a commonality for a lot of people. There's some sort of pivotal moment that moves us into the area. Uh, as I was going through your site, I, I came across the words chiropractic biophysics. Could you explain yeah. us a little bit about what that is and how that's different from, I guess, the average chiropractic or what most people see? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so when I, when I describe this, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying anything negative. So when... When someone goes to a chiropractor, um, there's one of two things that can happen. They go into the chiropractor, the chiropractor says, hey, what's wrong? And they can manipulate or adjust their spine without taking x-rays. And um, that's not what we do. So what we do is, is based on biophysics. And what, what that means is this. Instead of a patient coming in and, and we say, hey, what's wrong? And they say, I have back pain. And we just get them on the table and we give them what I call the rack and crack. We actually x-ray them uh, very similar to if you went to a dentist um, or an orthodontist, I should say. You go to an orthodontist and he says, hey, listen, the teeth are crooked. We need to x-ray them to know how to get them back in alignment. And once we get them, in, once, we, once we figure out what we need to do, we're going to put braces on there. And once we get the braces off, we're actually going to put a retainer on so it stays that way. So biophysics was developed by an engineer. And the engineer figured out that as with, 
everything in the human body, there are norms, like blood pressure, 120 over 80, and blood sugars, 99 or less, right? So they found out that there's norms within your spine and that your neck should have a, a C-shaped curve and that your lower back should have a C-shaped curve. And if it doesn't have that, it's going to cause wear and tear, degeneration, pinching on your spinal nerves, which could create things like numbness, tingling, headaches. It could also create some allergy issues. Um, and what we do with CBP is we can actually retrain your bones and your muscles to go back into its normal position to take the pressure off the spinal nerves and off the discs so that they don't wear and tear. And with that said, we do before and after x-rays. So I'm sure you've seen like the before and after x-ray, um, before and uh, after pictures of someone's teeth. Well, we do the same thing, but with someone's spine. So we do before and afters. We can show how bad their spine was initially, and then we fix it and put up a new x-ray, show them. And not only do we show them that they improved internally, but they also feel that they improved. So biophysics is based on engineering, it's based on physics, and it's based on science. It's the only technique that's been referenced over 115 times in the world's most prestigious uh, medical journals. So a little bit of background about CBP. It is one of the safest and most effective techniques uh, a chiropractor could possibly use. Is there a lot of people practicing this technique? Um, I would say that there's less than 5,000, I would say. Okay. And is there a place people can go to see if there might be someone in their area if they're interested in it? Because not yeah, everyone's going to fly to Florida to see you, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the average patient drives about an hour to see us. Um, so if you're outside of an hour, we're obviously not going to see them. But they can go to a, a website called idealspine.com. So ideal, like I-D-E-A-L, spine.com. And there's a, there's a doctor locator on there which will help them a lot. Okay, very cool. Um, so beyond pain, when people have, I guess, impingements or, you know, things are out of alignment, can that cause all sorts of other health issues? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what most people, Logan, don't understand. Um, when they think chiropractic, they think neck or back pain. And yeah. obviously we've seen 11,000 patients. And once we've treated these patients with, you know, CBP, and, and it happens with chiropractic too, we see things like asthma disappear, allergies disappear. Um, we see a lot of children here. Uh, we've seen colic go away, earaches disappear after one adjustment. Um, and, and it's not the adjustment that's doing it. So I want to be clear. How it works is this. If you have an impingement on a spinal nerve, what happens is that nerve flow is diminished to a muscle, a cell, a tissue, or even an organ or a gland. So all the adjustment does is specifically realigns the bone so that it's no longer impinging on that nerve that was abnormally flowing to that area. So that said, we're not curing anybody of anything. We're not fixing anybody's disease. All we're doing is allowing the body to do what it was designed to do, which was to heal us all, right? So if you cut your arm, it heals. So it's the same thing like if, if we had a hose and we're watering a plant in the middle of the desert. If I step on the hose, eventually that plant is going to get sick, it's going to wilt, and eventually if left long enough, it'll die. And all I have to do is take my foot off of that hose to fix the plant or to allow it to regain its health again. We do the same thing. We take the pressure off the nerve, 
be moving the bone very scientifically, specifically, and gently, then the body begins to heal itself. And that's why we've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of patients get well from all the way down to stomach issues and digestive issues. Uh, we've had women that came in that couldn't get pregnant. They tried IVF. They tried everything. And they've come in with us. And within two weeks, they've gotten pregnant. So we, we've literally seen anything from A to Z improve in our practice. But we never promise it. We don't know how, body, how the body's going to heal. The only thing that we promise is that we're going to move the bone into the right direction and allow the body to heal itself. Right. Yeah, I think that's very important that uh, – there can be the body is very complex, obviously. So there's many different things. But yeah, if the nerves or the the cells aren't getting what they need, then the body's oh, not going to be able to do what it needs to be able to do. Absolutely. So you know, a premise behind my book is it's not just the nerve flow. You know, it's a four-legged approach. You know, we have food, water, oxygen, and, and, and nerve supply, right? And with the food, uh, you know, I I, I typically mention in 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 that kind of a context, nutrition and supplements and uh, herbs, et cetera, because it would be preposterous to say that, oh, you know, it's all you need is nerve supply, but you don't need to feed the body the right foods or herbs or supplements or products, right? And you don't need to exercise mm-hmm. and you don't need to drink water. So we try to encompass all of those under one roof in our practice. Right. Yeah, because you got to have a holistic approach to health. I'm curious about uh, what – gets people out of alignment, what creates these impingements? Is it just about having bad posture and sort of movement habits, or is it bad exercising? Yeah, it's a great question. Great question. So it comes down from all the things that we as humans do in a daily basis. So it can come down to exercise, right? It can come down to slips or falls on ice or skiing, snowboarding. It comes down to, like what you said, posture. Every single day you sit with bad posture, that's going to misalign. Car accidents. Um, the big thing now that's creating a, a really, really troublesome effect on the cervical spine, meaning the neck, is what a lot of researchers are calling text necks. So all the kids with their, their heads forced way down because they're texting. And that's actually become an epidemic. They're actually doing a lot of studies on this. And Mayo Clinic did a study in 2008 said that when the head is, is forward for a prolonged period of time, it affects your health, it affects your breathing, it affects your heart, uh, your cardiovascular function. Um, the head is supposed to be erect for a reason, and when you bring it down for prolonged periods of time, it actually stays uh, in a reduced position after you've done that for, for an extended period of time. So we try to teach the patients in our practice to sit upright, sit with your legs uncrossed, um, work on your postural breathing patterns and um, avoid micro traumas, et cetera, bend properly. So there's a lot that goes into how the body or how the spine would become misaligned. Absolutely. Excellent. And uh, I was just hearing about recently in another interview, I can't remember exactly where it was, but they're talking about this idea of the S-shaped spine versus the J-shaped spine. What are your thoughts on that? I heard you mentioned having a C curve in the neck and the lower spine, but Mm -hmm. really what does the ideal spine look like? Okay, so from the front, uh, I think most people know, so I don't assume, but from the front, so if I looked at a human from the front, your hips should be perfectly level. Your shoulders should be perfectly level. Your ears should be perfectly level. Now, if we took a midline, 
you should have a perfectly straight spine. And the question that I often get is, well, is anybody like that? And the fact of the matter is, is yes. If someone's been to a chiropractor or someone has had very few traumas in their life, uh, yes, they are. They come in with a normal spine and they're absolutely healthy and they come in and get checked. Now, from the side, someone should have a, if we're looking at someone from the right side, someone, actually, let's do it from the left side. If we look at someone from the left side, your ear should line up with your shoulder, the middle of it, and your middle of your shoulder should line up with the middle of your hip, which should line up with the middle of your uh, ankle bone, your malleolus. And typically what we see um, on an x-ray, on a normal x-ray, is that there are C-shaped curves from the side. So there's a, a regular C-shape in the neck, and then a reverse C in the mid-back, and then a regular C-shape in the lower back. So like you said, it should look like an S from the side. It's, it's pretty close to an S from the side, but the spine should be straight from the front. So exactly right. And that would be a textbook normal based on, you know, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of studies now. Excellent. So what would be your, if you could encapsulate it in a few words, your overall philosophy of health? I may have already addressed it with those four things, the food, water, oxygen, nerve supply, but how else mm -hmm. would you add to that? Yeah, you know, uh, if I was to add anything, you know, food, water, oxygen, nerve supply, you know, it, someone might say those are, are really broad categories, but, you know, I, I think I think someone would understand if I said, listen, we need clean, pure water. We need to have exercise to get our oxygen in. We need nerve supply to survive, you know, in a, in a healthy manner. And then our food, it needs to obviously be clean or organic, some raw, some slightly cooked. You know, we can go into hours of, hours of information there. But I think if I was to add, you know, one or two other things in there, I would say that we as Americans have to start looking at how to reduce our stress, how to look back on our past and be appreciative of what we truly have, especially living in our country. Even if you don't have a lot, we have a lot more than everybody else does in the rest of the world. And uh, mm -hmm. I think we need to start looking back and being more appreciative. And, um, you know, one thing that I wish I would have put in my book was, focusing more on your mental health because I think um, your mental health has almost, if not more, to do with your physical health than just relying solely on, you know, a physical outcome, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. So if I was to address one other thing, I would really say that we really need to all, as, as Americans, start focusing on how can we strengthen our mind? How can we get it more clear less stressed and, and more focused on what needs to occur. Yeah, absolutely. One of my uh, favorite quotes is from Richard Bandler, the one of the founders of NLP, and he said, NLP, yeah. it's never too late to have a happy childhood, which yeah, when you right. get into it, it's, it, it's really about, you know, changing, like you were saying, appreciating the past. So even if you did have trauma, you can learn things from that and change your frames of mind now about what happened back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So when we met, we were talking quite a bit about statins and the dangers of those. And uh, in your practice, working with the chiropractic as well as other things you mentioned, able to help get people off of various sorts of medications. Uh, so can you, I guess, start with a little bit, what are some of the dangers of statins that, you know, those other doctors aren't telling you? 
Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, before before we get into that, and I'll and I'll definitely get into that. Um, when I when we mention that we can help people get off of medications, it's really not me. It's 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 our it's our medical portion of our practice where when a patient comes in, there are now genetic tests that are available to determine if the medications someone is taking are either rapidly metabolizing, if they're poor metabolizers, or if they're slow metabolizers, or if they're normal metabolizers. And what that means is to, for a patient is based on your genetics, are these drugs that you're taking, are they going to create a side effect? Are they going to kill you? Are they going to harm you in, in any way, shape, or form? Or is the drug that you're taking actually suitable for your body? So that's one of the ways that we can get a patient off a drug. And what we're finding is um, through a lot of research, and, and one of my favorite uh, you know, guys that I hear talking about cholesterol and statin medications is uh, Dr. Dwight Lundell. Um, he was the um, chief of staff and chief of surgery at Banner Heart Hospital, and he was in, uh, I think it was Mesa, Arizona. Uh, he performed 5,000 open-heart surgeries. And he literally came out and said, hey, listen, I've got a wrong one of my right. I've got a right one of my wrongs. And when I heard that, I was like, I bet he's going to talk about cholesterol medication. And that's exactly what he did. He started talking about statins. And what he said was the recommendations of people taking statin medications are, are literally no longer scientifically or even morally, uh, morally defensible. Um, the discovery a few years ago that inflammation in an artery, for example, is the real cause of heart disease and even cancer now. And right. it's changing how people are, are being treated, right? So a drug, a statin, someone goes into a doctor um, for, a normal, for their annual checkup and they get their blood test results. And the doctor says, oh, your cholesterol is 220. We're going to put you on a statin. Um, my concern with that is, number one, they didn't tell the patient, hey, there's another option. B, your other option is exercise, diet, nutrition, herbs, et cetera, to lower your cholesterol. But more importantly, I think a lot of the medical profession has forgotten about the physiology behind cholesterol. So, for example, if we were to look at a cholesterol molecule, right, um, you look at a cholesterol molecule, and what does it do? It's the precursor to most uh, of the hormones that are produced inside of the body, right? So where is cholesterol made, right? It's made in the liver, and it's the precursor to a lot of the hormones that are produced in the body, like men, and progesterone, and estrogen, and testosterone, and DHT, et cetera. And... Dr. Lundell said it best, heart disease is as a result of inflammation. Now, let's just take a step back and let's look at cholesterol. What is cholesterol's main job? Its main job is to become the precursor to hormones, but it also its main job is to suppress inflammation in the body. So if you have high cholesterol or high ER, what, why is it up? Well, it's up because of an inflammatory response in your body. It's doing its job. It's doing what it's supposed to do. So when a doctor prescribes a statin medication without really knowing what the genetics behind the patient is, 
what he or she is doing is suppressing the anti-inflammatory effect of cholesterol, thereby increasing the inflammation in the body by, by creating more heart disease and more heart issues in their future. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, just knowing physiology 10, 15 years ago, I looked at that and I said, wait a minute, cholesterol medication, that's actually going to create more cancer. It's going to create more heart disease. But if you also think about it, diabetes is an inflammatory disease. What have we since uh, cholesterol medications have been uh, used more frequently? We've seen an increase in diabetes. What are the numbers now on diabetes? Uh, I think it's uh, 75 million people suffer from heart disease, uh, 20 million have diabetes, and 57 million have prediabetes. So those numbers are going up every single year, yet we have patients taking statin medications, blood pressure pills, blood thinners, uh, diuretics, and the problems are rising. So obviously the answer is not to take a pill. The answer is to reduce the amount of inflammation in the body. Uh, the other thing that's on the rise as a result, there's two things, because my, my background's in neurology, um, there are two things that are on a, a rocketing, uh, excuse me, uh, they're, they're skyrocketing, two diseases. One of them is Alzheimer's, and number two is neuropathy, which is numbness, tingling, or pain in an extremity. Now, interestingly enough, they have now associated Alzheimer's with taking cholesterol pills and low cholesterol. So they say the lower your cholesterol now, the more inflammation and the better chance that you will have dementia and Alzheimer's as a result of having low cholesterol. So if your cholesterol is like 150 and below, you should be concerned about that because your body isn't making the hormones that it's supposed to to protect your brain. Uh, the other thing, they've now associated neuropathy because the fat around your nerves, it's called the myelin sheath, is made mm -hmm. in part through cholesterol. So these cholesterol medications are destroying nerves, brain cells. It's creating heart disease. So unfortunately, we've all been trained to say, oh, my cholesterol is high. I, I guess I take a cholesterol pill. And if you start doing the research and look at physiology, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Right. They just went in there and thought, oh, that cholesterol is high with these people that are having heart attacks, not realizing, yeah, it's high because it's trying to repair the damage that's being done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it, if you look at it, most of the people that are having heart attacks are on cholesterol medications. Right. <laughs> uh, and one other thing I heard was the, the statins will lower coenzyme Q10, which is one of the primary things in the heart that keeps it healthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's supposed to be recommended. Um, anytime a, a doctor prescribes a uh, specific statin, they're supposed to recommend coenzyme Q10 in order to protect the heart, right? Um, do you ever hear that happening? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And, yeah. I, and you know, I say I, I own a medical clinic. I work in the medical clinic, and, you know, I talk to all these guys, and they'll say the same thing that I'm saying. It's, it's just all a farce. So do you also recommend people, uh, obviously you can go overboard with it, but eat cholesterol from their diet a, a good amount? Because a lot of people, along with that, they're saying, oh, you need to cut down on the cholesterol in your diet as well. And the body can create its own, but it's a bit of an energy-intensive process from what I understand of it. So what are your recommendations there? 
you know, it, it, you know, I, you know, I don't think there's any one cookie cutter recommendation for any person because we're all so unique and, and so different, right? We all have blood, different blood types. And, you know, just as a, I guess, a blanket statement, I would say that if you stop eating cholesterol, what happens? Your body produces more. If you, if you start eating cholesterol, your body stops making it. I mean, it's just your body's smart. Um, so what I try to teach people, and it's based on their condition, what should they be eating? You know, should they be eating more greens? Should they be eating, you know, more fruits? You know, because not everybody should be eating more fruits based on uric acid levels or um, if they're autoimmune, what foods to avoid for that. So everybody's different, but I still believe everybody should be eating more vegetables. Absolutely. Everybody mm-hmm. should be doing more greens, right, to balance out their diet. Um, I like them to alkalize their diet more, meaning eat less like refined foods and eat less sugar and make sure that you're drinking more water. I can't tell you how many people come into our clinic and they're dehydrated. And you can tell just based on their skin, but also on their blood tests, their kidneys are failing because they're literally dehydrated. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's hard to really give a, a great answer to you, but I, w- I would definitely say we as Americans should eat more vegetables. We should drink more water, just as a generality. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good generality. Uh, is there any, say, other practices or supplements or herbs that you recommend? Or you, I mean, Obviously, everyone's different. That's something I'm always saying as well, but that you see a lot of people could be benefited by doing certain things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, the, the average American is taking 13 medications a day. Um, with that said, um, it, interestingly enough, medications deplete the human body of certain nutrients, minerals, and vitamins, right? So as a general um, rule of thumb, there's five or six things that I think everyone should take um, just as a basis. This isn't to, you know, increase your testosterone or anything. This is just to keep you, like, uh, status quo, to keep you healthy. Because if you're not doing these five or six things, you're just, you're going to decline. So typically, um, because the, the American diet is so deficient and, we take, and they take so many medications, a whole food-based multivitamin. And I, and I think that's common sense to most people, but I see a lot of people going and they get, like, a Centrum Silver. And it's got, I think, 15 different toxins in it. So it's non-beneficial, right? So we have the, the whole food multivitamin, and I typically prefer without iron. Um, number two, I typically will recommend an enzyme. An enzyme will help break your meal down and make it more digestible so that um, you get all your nutrients, you can assimilate better, and you can digest better, and there's less heartburn, and there's, and there's less constipation. Um, that way you can get more of yours out of your food because most, most foods right now are dead, right? So we've got to get as much out of it as possible. So multivitamin, enzyme. Um, number three would be a probiotic. Um, most Americans are taking over-prescribed antibiotics. It kills all the good flora inside of them. Um, so most people have poor digestion in our country. They have constipation. Some have diarrhea. Um, some people don't go to the bathroom for two to three days. The probiotics are really good to boost the immune system, 
um, put the good gut flora back in, especially if you've taken antibiotics recently or even in the past. And that way, someone doesn't develop uh, like a candida infection. Number four, I like uh, antioxidant complex. I won't go through all of them, but uh, something that has um, selenium, CoQ10, like you mentioned before, um, N-acetylcysteine, and uh, manganese, vitamin E, those, those would be some of the, the, the cofactors um, for the antioxidants that, that really, really work well to prevent things like cancers, um, oxidation uh, processes in the body. And I would say the least thing about two, the least thing about the last two. One of my favorites, one of my favorites, magnesium. Mm -hmm. um, most people are depleted in magnesium is what we're seeing. Um, and, and interestingly enough, there is uh, one type of magnesium. I've got to remember what it is. There's two types that I like. Magnesium glycinate because it's readily absorbed into the body. And we typically recommend 500 milligrams or more. But um, magnesium L3 and 8, that's what it was. So magnesium L3 and 8 is one of, uh, I think it's one of the only ones that I've found so far that actually crosses the blood-brain barrier. And a lot of people ask me, why is magnesium so important? Uh, it's probably one of the most important nutrients for the body because it's mm -hmm. used in over 300 reactions in every single cell. So it helps with muscle reactions. So anybody that's got cramping, blood pressure issues, mood issues, sleeping issues, um, it, it, even digestion, it helps with digestion. So I, I really, really like uh, magnesium. And, oh, the last one. I, I don't know how I forgot it. Fish oil, omega-3. Mm -hmm. right? I was waiting for that one coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't leave that one out. I mean, we were talking about that. I think the ratio right now uh, for Americans. So the ratio for omega-3 to omega-6 should be 3 to 1. And, and I know you know that, but a lot of listeners probably don't. Right now, the um, ratios in America are 1 to 15 and as high as 1 to 30, omega-3 to omega-6. That's how far out of balance our diets are. Which, what that does is it creates a, a ton of cytokines, which create inflammation in the body, which creates heart disease and high cholesterol, and then someone takes cholesterol pill, and you know the whole cycle that we just discussed. So the omega-3 is actually a great anti-inflammatory. Um, I call it a, like the WD-40 for the joints. Yeah, it, really is good. it really works great for the joints. It also works great for kids. It improves IQ by four points I saw on, uh, on one study. So it's really, really good for everyone to have. So I think I mentioned, what, six or seven things. I would definitely recommend those six or seven things as a base for most people without any side effects. You said the three to one ratio is that three times omega three to the omega six, or yeah, vice versa. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so okay. there should be so we should have three times omega three to omega six, but mm -hmm. the average American diet is fifteen times omega six to omega one, all the way up to thirty times. That's how far out of balance we are. Right. So taking fish oil definitely helps, but another important aspect of that is cutting down on all yeah. the omega-6, which is vegetable yeah. oils and whatnot that's in pretty much every processed food out there. <laughs> you got it. You got it. All right. Well, 
I think it's about time to wrap up here, uh, reaching the time for that to happen. Uh, obviously, we could continue talking for hours, and maybe we'll have you back at some time in the future. I really think we covered some stuff that a lot of people haven't heard. Like uh, me personally, I haven't heard about the chiropractic biophysics. found that fascinating as well as a lot of those very helpful, important health basics that really you can't hear too many times, <laughs> you know, okay. until you're actually doing them. So where could people go to find more information about you and maybe add a little bit more about uh, who your book is uh, appropriate for? Uh, the book is appropriate for anybody that uh, is looking for the basics, somebody that uh, is just getting into health. Um, again, it just goes through uh, four small courses of how to get well, and you can probably read it in about two hours or less. Very easy, very simple. It gives you a foundation. Um, it's found on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books and uh, Books a Million. So it's it's found everywhere. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about our practice or about me, you can go to Pivotal Health for the number four com. So again, it's Pivotal Health for com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Joseph. It was a pleasure having you on the call. Thank you so much for having me, Logan. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.